Welcome to the Next Level Show, where we talk with people behind Next Level ideas, products and technology that are changing the world around us. I'm Lubo Smith, the co-founder and CEO of STRV. And my guests today are Thomas Fields and Brian Bloom from Grind Basketball, the ultimate portable basketball machine that made waves among basketball players and fans. Thomas and Brian are both passionate players that turned out to be entrepreneurs because they could not make it to the NBA due to multiple injuries. Together, they built tools that help players to improve, and their accomplishments caught the attention of Shark Tank, Techstars, and even Forbes, who recently put Thomas on the 30 and the 30 list. The chat with the guys hustling their way up from the Houston industrial zone where they built their products was definitely inspiring. So let's dive right in. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. You have quite a journey behind you and ahead of you, I feel like. And uh, yeah, I would like to talk it through today. Yeah, no. Uh, how are you all doing today? No, we're doing great. Thank you for having us, us on the show. We're excited. We've been waiting for this. So yeah, happy to chat. Yeah, pumps. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, you have you have gone through a lot on your journey with Grind, uh, but I would like to start probably at the very beginning. Uh, how did you get the idea and how it all evolved? What was the inception like? Inception, yeah, I'll go ahead and start, man. I um, I started Grind. Um, I was 19 years old. I was a basketball player. Um, I played basketball in the inner city of Houston, Texas. Um, I was pretty good. And um, ultimately, man, 10th grade year, I met Brian. Uh, that was the same year I tore my first ACL. So I blew out my knee. And then, uh, junior year, blew out my other knee. Senior year, blew out, my, blew out the same knee. So I had like three surgeries, four surgeries before graduating high school. And... Um, Ultimately, my, my school had bought a shooting machine and uh, never let me use it, right? They were just, you know, a $10,000 machine, 400 pounds, and, uh, you know, school never gave me access to it. So the, uh, the, the idea kind of came about where I was like, hey, you know, there, there has to be, you know, machines and products designed specifically for athletes. So I started grinding, and it was the first portable shooting machine that was affordable for families. So uh, what was the cost of the machine before and what's the, you know, kind of the challenger that uh, you are coming up with uh, so it's more accessible to, to, to everyone? Um, so originally shooting machines cost anywhere from like $10,000 to maybe $6,000. Um, I mean, now they've gotten down to about four, uh, but Grind has came out into the market for, uh, just under two, two grand. And we were like the first company to offer payment plans for shooting machines for customers. Um, and we were like mm -hmm. the first to actually like focus in on like selling to consumers, right? Like before it was only a, a product that, you know, uh, was sold to like schools and NBA teams, right? And nobody was really thinking of like, this could be a household product. Um, and Grind came into the market with that kind of focus in mind. Yeah, that's a big challenger, right? If you can drop the the, the price so low, I mean, two thousand. It's definitely not a not a small amount, but uh, uh, it's uh, like when you compare it with uh, ten grand, it's uh, it's a different game. Uh, we recently had uh, Paul Anton on the show from Hoop. Uh, are you familiar with what uh, Hoop is is doing on? On the on the other side, pretty much. Yeah, no, Paul's Paul's great. Hoop Hoop is super cool, man. That's like uh, that's straight out of like a basketball player's fantasy. <laughs> Be able to watch the game while you're hooping. I like. Uh, frankly, I had a chance to to visit uh, uh, them in in their garage yesterday, oh. and uh, I uh, I I'm not a big uh, like basketball person per se. But I managed to uh, to try it out, and it felt so addictive <laughs> that uh, it was it was really inspiring. Uh, that you know it can really change the perspective, and I think it can uh, get a lot of uh, young kids to look at uh, this uh, a bit differently. And I think that uh, you guys and, and and Paul 
you share a lot in terms of like uh, uh, trying to pursue the uh, basketball career, uh, but then ending up with uh, you know entrepreneurship in the space. Uh, and I feel like you know it could even be a very interesting combination of of the two products. If uh, you really want to make it, you want the uh, uh, engaging part, but you also want the the skill part. So I think that's where your product uh, really plays a, a strong role. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting. They, uh, you know, obviously you need a hoop to use our product, <laughs> um, but then simultaneously you need, uh, you know, uh, like you can take a grind machine pretty much anywhere in the world and versus, you know, a hoop is going to stay in your driveway. So they definitely have interesting, like, yeah. dynamic there of use cases, but... Um, we're, we're rooting yeah. hard for Paul. They're they're cool, <laughs> and I think the the same from from his side. Uh, uh, based on what what uh, we talked about yesterday, I would love to you know dive into a bit more of your impressive journey uh, uh, of uh, you know uh, uh, basically showcasing your product and getting the eyeballs of uh, a lot of interesting people in the space and. Uh, joining uh, some of the uh, competitions to to get the attention for the product how did uh, that uh, all come along yeah i think like just uh touching back on the journey um now it's it's been a very long journey so i mean i started when i was 19 um and i mean what we've been seven years at it and we've only been in the market for two years. So we've only, we, we launched in 2020, but you know, I was working on it five years prior. So it, it's just, it's a, it's a very long, long, hard journey with hardware. Um, and I think just, um, you know, from getting on Shark Tank to uh, being able to, you know, uh, uh, be a part of the Techstar Sports Accelerator uh, to Forbes 30 and the 30, it's, it's just been a, an awesome journey. Uh, Brian has been instrumental in our growth and, and even, you know, the next next level products that we want to create and we're going to push out with software. Right. Um, I know Brian will t- touch on that a little bit, but I think it's just it's an it's it's an awesome feeling to go like literally with negative dollars in my account, you know, working three jobs, trying to build the machine, you know, teach myself how to weld uh, to Brian, you know, getting us, you know, 16,000 followers on TikTok in a month. It's just like organically, like it it was crazy to actually see, you know, everything come to life and be built and all the hard works, blood, sweat and tears. And then the growth that it's, it's been seeing in the, in the recent years. So um, yeah, it's, it's an awesome journey. Right. And, you know, obviously there's uh, tons of like pitfalls and, you know, hurdles that we have to cross, you know, we got COVID, we have supply chain, um, just, I mean, the, the economy right now is not the greatest, you know, that, that, uh, that we've seen before. So there's, there's, there's tons of things whenever you're running a business, as you know, right. I mean, it's, it's a lot of work, but, um, again, I mean, you know, we wouldn't trade it for the world. It's, it's, uh, it's been fun. Yeah, for sure. Brian, did you want to add something uh, to that? Uh, Man, it's just been, you know, <laughs> it's funny to like look at Thomas and I's DMs from like 2016 to like 2020 and just to think about like, you know, where where it is now. Like, you know, we just shared some some pictures to our Instagram of our warehouse. Like now we finally have inventory on hand, you know, for the first time in our company history. And there's a warehouse and there's, you know, uh, shooting, shooting, <laughs> like it's just so real, right? And it and that makes it surreal because it's you know we we really started not paying ourselves. We had no money when we launched the company. Uh, had to take pre orders to be able to pay you know a minimum order to our manufacturer. Uh, you know a lot of these things that you know p- prevent people from starting a business. Like that was absolutely what we dealt with at the beginning too. Um, is you know having to have capital and uh, spend that on ads. And so we've had some good breaks and um, yeah, it really is just, it's, it's cool to see like, you know, the tangible stuff like shipping out an order after a customer orders it, for example, versus, you know, having to 
tell him it'll be it'll be a few months before we can get it to him. Yeah, hundred percent. Let's talk Shark Tank for a little bit. I know uh, that uh, there is quite an interesting uh, story of how you actually got into uh, Shark Tank, and uh, I'd love to I'd love to uh, hear from you what the experience was uh, was yeah. like and whether you would uh, recommend it to other founders uh, to get the attention to their product or whether you know it uh, also had some like uh, tough moments. Uh, while while joining the show no 100 percent, man so how did how did how did you get in so we were, we, we had launched march 2020 two weeks before covid and uh we're taking in pre-orders orders are coming in on a daily basis at this point we um are still like working with our manufacturers where i'm like working every day to try to get this thing right and uh, my wife, my girlfriend at the time, um, she says, check my email. And I check it and she was like, did you see the Shark Tank email? Uh, so I'm like, look at it again because I, 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 I guess I didn't see it. Uh, and, and I was like, oh, shit, like this Shark Tank, like, this, you know, it's Shark Tank at, you know, Shark Tank TV, ABC uh, uh, TV. And. I'm like, wow, this is like real. So I, so I see it later that day, and she's like, yeah, I kind of, I kind of applied for Grind uh, to Shark Tank like six months ago behind your back, and I didn't want to tell you because if they didn't reach back out, I didn't want you to feel bad. Uh, but they reached out, so uh, respond to you know, I, I respond to them the whole nine, and and at the end of the day, you know, uh, we ended up doing what six interviews, seven interviews. Uh, they loved it. We had traction at that point. Um, so it, 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 it was probably like a few months after we had launched. So we had like a couple hundred thousand dollars in like actual revenue. We had customers. Uh, we were getting ready to, to deliver. Uh, we had a manufacturer in place. We had marketing going. So it was like, at, you know, right after we had launched. So, you know, they, they, they bit and flew me out to Vegas. And the rest was history. I, I quarantined for two weeks before pitching to the Sharks and uh, and jumped on there and, and, and pitched, pitched the company. So that that's the story. It's very unique, very, very different. But that's that's just kind of how it worked out for us. Well, it's amazing that it was pretty much a, a surprise uh, application. Very, very much uh, a surprise uh, application. <laughs> but it seems like it was a, it was a positive one. Yeah, so uh, what what was the what was the outcome of the of the uh, participation in Shark Tank on the flip side? Uh, um, I mean, so I mean, like, of course, it's it's TV, right? So uh, I mean, you, you you ask anybody, you know, there's always a, a TV deal and the behind the scenes deal, right? So on TV, obviously, took the took the deal with Mark Cuban and Barbara. Um, I think just in the moment is just a lot going on hard to do math up to, on the top of your head like that. So it was, it, it was, it was fun. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we had to kind of figure out what we were actually going to do. Um, can't say if we took it or not. Uh, I'm, I'm strapped with like a whole bunch of NDAs, but, um, but yeah, I, I, it was just like overall great experience and, uh, you know, obviously a, a ton of exposure and, and really fun. Wow. So uh, that means that whatever happens on the show uh, does not have to reflect 100% uh, what's happening in the real life. No, like 60, 60% of the deals either change or fall through, right? Uh, it's, 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 huh? it's not, yeah, it's, it's very unlikely that the, the deal on the show is, is actual, you know, in, in real life. But um, it is 100% non-scripted. Right. Like you're going out there, you're pitching them. They have no idea who you are. And, you know, you have to sell them at the end of the day. So, yeah, it's a, it's a cool, it's a cool experience. And uh, Brian, what was the uh, the impact of the show on the marketing front or on the on the uh, uh, orders? Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> I mean, anytime you could get that much earned earned media, it was awesome. I think we got close to 100,000 visits to our site uh, in the first two weeks after after Shark Tank. It's interesting because a lot of it comes on the first night, but a lot of it is people seeing the show and then Googling grind 
you know, or whatever they see on Shark Tank and, th- and then coming back to the site over the next couple of weeks. So it was kind of funny. Tom, you know, we had a little watch party out in Houston and uh, everyone was kind of taking their guess to like, oh, how many machines are we going to sell? How, what, what's this, what's this going to look like? And, you know, honestly, the night of was almost kind of a letdown. I mean, we, you know, it was like mid five figures that we sold, but we were expecting it to be kind of crazy. And, uh, you know, over the next few days, it's like it kept coming in versus all being like so concentrated on night one. So I think that's interesting because people probably, you know, think, oh, that's that's your one shining moment. That's that's the night. And then, no, it's actually kind of like a sustained boost of both traffic and sales. Um, yeah, it's very, it's very interesting. And, and like, obviously, like you said, like our, our product is not like a $20 product. It's a $2,000 product, but it's valuable. Yeah. It solves a problem. So like most of the time, the customers that purchase, like kids will see it and then bug their parents for it. Right. Or uh, the, the mom and dad will see it, talk to the husband or wife, and then they make a decision within that week. Right. So it's not like an impulse purchase. Like you do have to talk to people about it. But once you see it, it starts rolling in. And I think that's kind of what happened on like that first day of Shark Tank. Like views were way up, but like sales were like it, there was definitely a boost, but it wasn't like all at once. And like over time, as press started coming out, it was just like a very healthy, sustainable, you know, sales growth. And it was just really great to have that in our back pocket. Yeah, I think it, it, it takes some time for the people to like, you know, make a decision, right? So right. Uh, I think that's the, the, the night where uh, it was premiered, it was probably like uh, uh, the, the moment where you planted the seed, but then it takes a little bit of time for people to actually make the decision. And like, there was a lot more after Shark Tank uh, as well, right? There was uh, the Forbes 30 under 30. And uh, uh, like, uh, how, how did that uh, come along? Uh, uh, yeah. Did they like uh, pick you up because of the of the Shark Tank success? Man, I think it was a kind of a, a, a accumulation of, of all of it, right? I think it was, you know, you know, one of our investors once told me it was like growth cures all, uh, growth cures all, right? And and it's 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 kind of true, right? In, in a sense where I wasn't able to raise capital before we had the machine made. Like I raised, I tried to raise capital for three years before the you know the grind machine was actually completed or sales were actually coming in, and I just completely was not able to raise any capital. As soon as the machine was done. That's when the, the the capital started coming, you know, and and you know customers started coming in, and Shark Tank picked us picked us up, um, you know, TechStars picked us up, and you know from TechStars, you know, we go to Forbes, and you know you have other folks in in TechStars that were on that list, right? Um, so it, it was just I think uh, uh, accumulation of like hitting hitting millions of dollars in revenue and. Shark Tank and getting into tech stars, right? And working on other cool things besides the shooting machine. It was like a lot of yeah. those things that just kind of uh, folded up into one. And it was like, hey, you know, these these folks deserve to be on the list, right? So I think it's just, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, it's it's kind of accumulation of a lot of work built up into one. So what uh, were some of the other cool things uh, besides the, the shooting machine? Or what are the, the other cool things that uh, uh, you have on the roadmap? Yeah, man, we got we got some uh, got some dope stuff coming. Brent, B, do you want to you want to uh, kind of talk about that? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so one of the things, you know, like we've always tried to do is, you know, help athletes get closer to their dreams, right? Like that's kind of what the shooting machine does. It it helps players work on their game. So they have a better chance to make it. And, um, you know, I think there's a huge drop off in like the work that you put in as a basketball player to try and make the NBA and sort of like what you get out of it. Oftentimes that's just related to, you know, your success on the court. Uh, but there's not really any sort of reward system for it. So we're right now we're constructing software that um, will actually, 
you know, allow players to get that sort of instant gratification from working on their game uh, and get rewards for completing workouts. So that's our software that will be coming out next year. And uh, like how, how it's going to all play out in terms of like the, the gratification for uh, or like the, the rewards. Uh, is, that, is there like more to it that you are able to share at this point or you are uh, keeping it a little secret? There's a ton more. Brian was very like <laughs> high level. Yeah. Uh, there, but yeah. So, yeah, there, there, there is a, it is definitely under wraps. Um, definitely kind of in a stealth mode right now. Um but it, it is is going to be a great gamified way to earn uh, a lot of basketball stuff, right? Um, so it's it, it does have some some Web three plays in it. It has some blockchain. It has some computer vision. It's 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 really some uh, some great tech that we're building in addition to the hardware. So we 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 just kind of feel that like as long as we're building products that truly add value to players, like that's that's what we do at Grind, right? It, 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 we've always said that we've we're not just a shooting machine company. Like that was just the first step, right, to, to add value to players. Um, so yeah, the software is definitely something that we we, we want to uh, you know roll out Q one of next year. So hopefully, whenever we do a, a launch, we can come back to you guys <laughs> talk about it. You know, Amazing, yeah, yeah exactly. we would love that. Excited to share. How, how do you go about product testing and making sure that like uh, all of uh, these new ideas are vetted before you go into like either building them on the hardware side or building them on, on the software side? Uh, yeah, I would love to understand, you know, what's your process of uh, figuring out the, the product market fit uh, uh, for, for Grind? Yeah, I think on the hardware um like we we always want to make sure that we're solving real problems for athletes like when we're not you know trying to build you know a a vitamin right we're trying to build painkillers you know what i'm saying like vitamins you you forget about vitamins right like vitamins are okay but like when you are in pain you have to take that painkiller right i remember like tearing my acl i had like 23 staples in my knee Right. I was taking painkillers every two hours. I, I made sure I, I did not miss them, but like, I never took a vitamin. Um, so at Grind, we just want to make sure we're, we're building painkillers. Right. So we talk to our customers. We're, we go to the park. We take our product there. You know, um, we get feedback um, and we listen to the customers. Right. And at the end of the day, like we're 26, 27 year olds that are like still in that community. So. Yeah, you know, I think that's one of our biggest our biggest strengths is is not staying in the office is actually getting out, going to the court, talking to the kids, asking them, "What do you hate about practicing?" Right, and and, and what would you love? Um, and I think that's the nucleus of product testing. Right, is literally starts there. Um, but now, man, I mean, we got a warehouse. I mean, I'm shooting five hundred shots, a thousand shots a day on the machine. It's extremely fun. Now that the software is kind of in, in private beta, we're pulling that out and getting up shots and, and, you know, doing all the testing, asking customers, you know, what they hate, what they love. Um, so I think it's just a constant iteration, but customers are always at the center of like that, that, uh, that progress. Yeah. One, one thing I think is important too, just to add is, you know, we, we were our customers 10 years ago. Right. Like we we fundamentally kind of understand the experience. And I think for any founder, it's, you know, you have to at least have some familiarity with the industry that you're trying to build in. And, you know, what's always helped us is having a, a very natural feel for for what is, you know, how people perceive things in the basketball space. You know, one of the biggest complaints about the gun is that, you know, the gun is kind of the traditional shooting machine is that it is really difficult to store anywhere. Oftentimes coaches won't put it in their equipment closet because it's such a pain to get it in there. And that was, you know, the, the fundamental reason why Thomas was like, I need to make this thing portable because the other option just sucked, <laughs> you know? And so yeah. you don't really, that's not, a, that's not something you can, 
research, do market research, right? You, you can't do, you can't find that out on the internet. Like you have to, you know, be with coaches for an extended period of time, understand this core experience that, you know, a lot of people are facing in the basketball world and create a solution for it. And so I think it's really important to, you know, be authentic in the market that you're trying to build for. Cause if, if not, you're not going to identify the actual things that are really, you know, causing problems for people. Yeah. Grand. How did the, the grind machine uh, transform over the years uh, from the very initial idea to the product that uh, you now have? And it seems like it's battle tested and uh, you have an inventory, you keep shipping and so on. How did, how did that uh, transform over the years? Yeah, man, uh, we've maybe had 300 different iterations of the machine. I mean, like physical iterations is like, it's like a stupid amount of like, like not even a proud amount. Like it's like over, you know what I mean? Like it took a long time because my background was in engineering. Like I'm a self-taught mechanical engineer because like I failed 300 times to like build something that worked. Right. Or it was kind of working and I just had to keep going until it actually did work. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, the first iteration, I tore my mom's treadmill apart and I had I, <laughs> I used the motor from my mom's treadmill to actually make this thing start working. And it was I was in the garage and we were building it. And yeah, I think that was like one of the first prototypes that I had. But yeah, I mean, a, a lot of those were in the in the garage. And then after that, you know, we just kind of we, we got access to this uh, this place called TXRX that allowed us to do like 3D printing, laser cutting, plasma cutting. And we just did all the designs ourselves, right? So again, we didn't have like a ton of capital to use. Like we, it, it, there was no, you know, uh, you know, a hundred thousand, fifty thousand, ten thousand dollars in our pockets to figure out some product development. Like we just had to use a couple hundred bucks to like buy material and and, and, and use our creativity. So it was a, uh, it, it definitely evolved over the years and still evolving, right? But. Um, yeah, it took a, it took a while for sure. So, how do you look at the improvements right now? Do you keep uh, just uh, like iterating, uh, or do you like uh, say this is first generation, second generation, or do you keep improving it on an ongoing basis, uh, uh, yeah. continuously? Yeah, hundred percent ongoing basis. I mean, it has to be something to where you know where. I mean, we, we made a change last week. Right. It's it's literally like weekly changes that we're making to this thing. Like it, it, yeah. it never stops almost. Right. Uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, our, our goal, my goal was to fit this thing into a Nike duffel bag. Right. Uh, and although it is the first portable machine, it's not in the Nike duffel bag yet. It's not it's not exactly it's not exactly. You know what I mean? It's not exactly that's what, what I wanted to ask. Yeah, like that's how 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 long is gonna take to get to the Nike duffel bag? I don't know, man, but it, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> I tell you that, man. We're we're, we're definitely getting there. Um, but I mean, you know, they always say like you got to push out your first product, and even like the first ten machines that we sold to customers, it was a completely different machine than what we are selling today. Like. Um, it's, it's, it, you know, it, it was just a, a massive difference, but, um, even on the software, like software is completely different though. Like Brian can attest to that, like changes now are happening, uh, on a daily to weekly basis, um, our, our software developers in Austin, Texas. So we're, we're like a Texas based kind of team. Um, but you know, it's, it's just, uh, software is a lot faster than hardware. And, you know, you can make the iterations and changes a lot faster than, than hardware, right? You don't have to put it in production and wait for samples, right? So it's a, it's a, it's a different game for sure. That's what they say, that, uh, you know, building hardware is hard. And uh, <laughs> from my hardware experience hard, of uh, ra running a software company, I would rather stay on this side of the pond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. But I'm inspired. I'm I'm very inspired by hardware companies, and uh, I very much enjoy collaborating with a lot of hardware companies and bridging the gap between the hardware and software. 
that's uh, what I find very interesting. Yeah, I think that's it's a, it's a beautiful combination, man. Uh, you know, to to bridge software, to bridge hardware, hardware people can actually touch and feel, and you know, it's <laughs> it's a it's a it's a thing. But software is a beast, man. Like you can you can build damn near anything, right? And make these connections that like can be done with hardware. So uh, it's, it's it's a really cool combination when they come together. Yeah. What What do you say is uh, so unique uh, about Grind that uh, no one has done it before, uh, and uh, that you know you mentioned the gun, the big uh, the big machine, uh, and then you took you took some parts of your mom's treadmill <laughs> uh, to start experimenting. Uh, where 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 does the the, the uniqueness uh, of of the product uh, come from? I mean. If I were to answer that, I would say it really is the authenticity of of what we're what we're building. I think uh, a lot of these companies that have launched, you know, Paul Paul's a younger guy, but a lot of the other companies in the space aren't. And basketball, kind of by definition, is a sport that's driven by youth culture. And you know what's cool in AAU, what's cool in in uh, you know, the highlights scene, like what, what's going on in the NBA. And so many different companies have tried to create basketball products without looking at, you know, kind of the dominant player in the space. I mean, Nike and Adidas. And, you know, what are, what are those two companies win on? It's, it's brand and, you know, making people feel a part of something. And so I think we just try to take those principles of, you know, actually creating something that people were proud to to represent and support and applied them to basketball products versus just you know shoes and apparel um we're not just yep. a vanilla you know training product company we're we're trying to build a brand yeah yeah one thing that i think is very unique is uh like brian said that authenticity you know like uh brian came down from denver uh, today, Brian lives in Denver. He was raised in Houston, right? But like, he came down to Houston to our new warehouse, and you know, we went to go get some 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 food down the street. And he's like, "Dude, like this neighborhood, like you'd never find a, a tech company in Fifth Ward in Houston, Texas, right? Like it's one of the rougher neighborhoods in Houston, um, but it's like where I live. You know what I mean? So like, having a tech company rooted in the inner city." of like where tech companies usually are not and, you know, yeah. really trying to like, like, you know, change the narrative of like, how can we get the kids in this neighborhood inspired by tech? Right. And, and onboarded into being software developers and engineers. Right. Like, I think that's, that's like our mission. Right. Um, and, I don't think a lot of tech companies come from, you know, these areas and authentically are from these neighborhoods. And I think our team understands that our team loves it and, and um, it's authentic. Right. And, and we want to be that known as that company that's, that's building great products for all, all kids, right. All athletes. Um, so I think that's, that's really a, a big differentiator when it comes to the products and the brand that we're trying to build. Yeah, to to me, it feels that it's uh, like uh, really part of the culture, and uh, that you are kind of uh, uh, embedded uh, within the the ecosystem of you know uh, your uh, target audience and and so on. So that uh, yeah. that I think uh, could play a big role in that. Uh, are there any other uh, hardware companies or hardware startups? that uh, you look at and you source maybe for inspiration or you like how they execute on the on the product and hardware front uh, or where do you where do you source the creativity for navigating uh, some uh, some of your products forward yeah for me uh i know brian may have a list of like web3 companies and stuff but for me um i've always admired like ideo you know, the, the way they put mm -hmm. out products, um, ammunition, the design group uh, in San Francisco. Like, I, I, I love their focus and attention to detail to customers and implementing that into 
um, you know, design-driven processes and, and, and just beautiful products in general, right? Um, I think Nest is a company that I love, um, you know, just building an ecosystem of hardware products that are interconnected, right, and just make people feel a certain type of way. Um, you know, Johnny Ive is one of my, one of my uh, you know, favorite designers. So it's just I, I love, like, beautiful, elegant products. I think the hoop looks amazing. I think they did a great job. The industrial designers are, like, great right there. They, they did a great job on that. So I, I just love, like, beautiful products. Um, so, you know, I, I try to take inspiration from that and, and just kind of nature and just making things, all, uh, you know, uh, in, in our environment, right? Like, the grind machine is very highly inspired by, like, industrial warehouses metal factories you know it's it's very it's an industrial you know um inspired inspired product right so um yeah just natural environments is, is kind of what i look at and, and try to get inspired by and the like it also needs to be pretty robust right so uh being inspired by the industrial environment kind of makes sense yeah 100 percent. i remember walking into like metal factories to go buy metal to, to do prototyping and I was just looking around the warehouse and was like wow it's just amazing how these things are, are built right and I just I think that authentically naturally came out whenever we were designing the, the grind machine uh, and it didn't take this like beautiful form it took this like very functional very raw very bold kind of feel right um, so yeah I, I think it's, it's it's interesting how how design kind of spews out into you know different ways what would you say, Brian, are some of the inspirations uh, for yourself? Yeah. I guess you are looking at it from a bit different angle. Yeah. Um, man, I'm, I'm inspired by companies that are just crushing it on their ability to reach customers, you know, in, in an organic way. Um, there is a new financial wellness app that came out the other day, uh, and, and they had this crazy organic authentic post where uh the headline is you know my friend spent thirty two thousand dollars in a day and so you know they're immediately capturing you with some shock and awe you're like who the hell is spending thirty two thousand dollars in a day what are they doing i'm gonna check this out and then <laughs> they uh he's going through his purchases and everything's categorized it shows you know when it was where the merchant was and it's like a much sleeker experience than you would get on your bank of America app or chase app, for example. And what comes out is these guys are the, that was just the founder's personal TikTok account. It wasn't, you know, that they weren't paying a, a, you know, user generated content creator. They weren't paying an influencer. They just had the idea of, well, let's come up with something that's so shocking that people have to see it, but then demonstrate what our app looks like and how it's cool and how it's kind of solving this problem of it kind of sucks to use, you know, traditional finance apps. And so yeah. I just thought that was something that is so creative, right? Like, because in today's day and age, it's so hard to cut through the noise of everyone sees, you know, consumers are seeing 10,000 ads a day. So I, I get really inspired by people that creatively are able to kind of get around that. And, you know, I think when you look at our TikTok, a lot of the times we're trying to, you know, our, our Instagram as well, we're, we're trying to show a shooting machine in a, in a location that you've just simply never seen before, <laughs> right? Like you, you would never assume that it's, you know, at the park powered by a battery coming out of some guy's car. And so, you know, it's not necessarily the same shock and awe, but um, that's definitely you know, where, where I get a lot of my inspiration from. And then as far as, you know, product, other, just product design, I think, uh, you know, just super intuitive software, man, like stuff that, you know, under, I mean, you don't have to look much further than the tech giants to find what is, you know, the gold standard, right? Every, every single social media app is immediately loading up upon your first time opening it. You know, it's going to be content that you like so that you stick on. And so we take a lot of inspiration for that as we're building software. We want as soon as you touch on your phone, you know, the grind app, then 
we want to give you something that you're ready to enjoy. Um, and so that'll be, you know, a core focus for us. Would you like to mention what's that, uh, uh, financial app that uh, you talked about uh, that people might uh, check out um i'd have to pull the video for you man i don't even remember the the app itself i just remember the tiktok it, it went super viral yeah we can we can add it in the in the yeah, show we'll, notes later yeah we can uh, uh like now dive a bit more into what what you talked about and it's the way how you mar- uh, go about marketing grind um, when you look at the different channels, uh, uh, where, where do you see the, the most traction? Because you mentioned TikTok, you mentioned Instagram. Uh, I believe like a lot of uh, your audience uh, uh, is uh, very active there. Uh, and you also mentioned these like surprising moments uh, that really catch people's attention. So, so where, where do you, on, on the marketing side, where do you focus on the most these days? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, for us, there's two sides to it. There's performance marketing, which is, you know, ads, uh, very conversion focused stuff. And then there's uh, sort of, I would call it brand awareness, brand affili- affinity building, basically getting people to like us and support us. Um, and, you know, creating content that resonates with them. So, you know, social is a huge part of this. Um, Obviously, you know, a lot of e-commerce companies have been dealing with some different volatility in the last year as Facebook ads have gotten less effective. But thankfully, we haven't really been uh, impacted by that. We we didn't see a rise in our customer acquisition costs this year. you know, we, we've still been able to reach the correct audiences, but I think that's because we have a very straightforward <laughs> categorization of what our product is. You know, you, you know, it's a basketball product. You yep. show it to people that are interested in basketball. Um, so, you know, I, I think uh, the different platforms all have such different intent. TikTok is such a discovery platform. People are there to be entertained and educated. Uh, consumers are very accustomed to being sold to on Instagram and they know that they're going to see things that they might be interested on there. And so they're maybe a little more ready to buy. Um, and then the lowest funnel of all is Google, right? When, you know, there's around 15,000 searches for basketball shooting machines every single month. And so how can we win as much of that impression share as we can and, you know, be in front of the people that are actively saying, you know, telling us I'm looking for a shooting machine. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, from there it's your website is sort of your, your salesperson. That's always, always online. They're working 24 seven. So, um, you know, how can we create a website that conveys our benefits and, and positions us as the right solution? So that's, that's kind of how we look at the different channels right now. Yeah, no, I, I think it, it makes a lot of sense. And like you have different channels that are reaching uh, different audiences. And I think you, you you pictured it quite nicely that like, you know, the people in Google, they are ready to buy. They are ready to spend. Uh, the people uh, on TikTok, they probably just want to be uh, educated, uh, entertained and so on. And probably Instagram could be somewhere, somewhere in the middle, but uh, it seems like you are picking up quite a bit of uh, traction on, on all of these channels. So uh, that is great. Trying to. Yeah. I think, you know, we're a small team. I mean, it's Thomas, myself, you know, we've got our customer support director, Rob, our lead engineer, Elliot. We've got uh, our creative director, Maurice, and then, you know, our operations manager, PV and, you know, everyone's got to wear a lot of hats, right? You know, and so I think trying to be everywhere at every time, you, you definitely have to pick what resources to be using and, and what's most efficient. Oh, that's right. So that would love to grow more, I guess is what I'm trying to say, but, you know, we need a little manpower help. Yeah, that's that's very nimble team. Uh, what are some of your plans for the future? Uh, would you like to grow that team a lot or would you like to, like, introduce maybe some, some other products to the mix. What, uh, is the, uh, what, are, what are the plans there? Yeah. I mean, I think, of, yeah, of course, we definitely want to grow, right? We want to be like, obviously 
you know, if, if Nike was designing great consumer products, hardware, software, that's really what we want to be, right? So, um, I think right now we're just really focused on like building a sustainable business and, you know, building as, as much value for customers, like I said, and, and, and trying to grow as fast and as quickly and as strongly as possible is what we're trying to do. Right. So I think, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, um, small team, but you know, we're, we're, we're getting a lot done with them and, uh, yeah, we'll probably grow a little more next year, but I think right now we're just making sure we're, we're on the right track to, to hit all of our milestones. And uh, I also believe that the partnerships are uh, an important uh, channel for yourself. And uh, there, there was one with NBA Top Shot. Uh, how did that uh, come along? And what did it bring to you? Maybe even, even what's uh, your opinion on the whole Web3 direction and whether or not you are actually thinking about incorporating something there? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, so Dapper, we uh, we know a bunch of folks from Dapper Labs. Um, we've always been kind of connected to them through different colleagues and people that have, have worked with them, uh, particularly in the run-up last year when things were, you know, when everything seemed like it was going up. And, you know, it's definitely cool to be working with them on the flip side of it because you see the conviction that they have in the space. Um, you know, they're unfazed, right? right? <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? You can't, can't back down now. Um, but, uh, yeah, we've, we've been working with their, some members from their C-suite, uh, and then now obviously their, their product team. And, um, I think we've got something that's going to be really cool in partnership with Dapper, uh, launching Q1 of next year. Um, so we're really excited about that. Hoping to kind of energize their, their, there's a huge community built around Dapper's products um, and, you know, particularly the overlap of sports fans and people that in, are crypto, you know, curious or enthusiasts, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's pretty large. So, you know, we're super excited about that. I think as far as what the space needs, you know, there's, I mean, in any euphoric time, there's going to be a lot of grifters and there's going to be a lot of people that are trying to get rich quick. And uh, that doesn't change the underlying things that attracted so many people to the concept, which, you know, is this basically a tendency that digital assets are going to continue to be more important in people's lives. You know, if someone wants to bet against that trend, I will take that bet every day. I think people are going to continue to care more about, you know, owning digital assets, what their presentation looks like online. Um, you already see it with how curated everyone makes sure that their social media profile is. Um, so, You know, we're, we're trying to create a, a basketball experience that, you know, leverages what you do in the real world and allows you to benefit from it in the digital world uh, in a way that's just never been done before. And, you know, we're trying to create a use case for that technology that, you know, you can't just say like, this is a scam or, you know, this is a get rich quick scheme. We're, we're trying to do something that's genuinely very useful for people in the basketball space. We're trying to like, I, I don't think we're trying to do it. Like we're doing it, right? Like we are building, we're, we're a company that's built a physical product, like that adds real value. And we're trying to go to Web3 and do the same thing, right? I think we've seen companies get scrutinized for like just building things that aren't sustainable and We're, we're, we're coming into that space and saying, hey, we've built sustainable things like we're going to do it in Web3 as well. Right. Um, and and, and, and honestly, it's an exciting space for sports and gaming. Right. Like it's Web3 is, is, is taking these industries and really flipped them on its head because of the ownership, you know, uh, structures that it just it changes everything. Right. Um, I mean, you're, you're in software, so, you know, uh, probably better than anybody that, you know, Web3 is, is really, um, you know, it's it's right after Web2, right? It's just like it's taking everything and, and taking it to another level, right? And I just, I think as entrepreneurs and technologists, we designers, entrepreneurs, we, we are at the forefront of like what that means and what, what we build with this. So, um, yeah, it's exciting stuff. 
Yeah, what I what I always say is that uh, if you believe in the technology behind it, like you know what's happening with the uh, hype cycle, does not really matter. And I I do believe in the technology. And to what you said, Brian, like you know uh, the uh, raising importance of the digital assets and digital ownership, I think it's like unquestionable that it's it's going to happen. And I think it, it is happening. Uh, I think that uh, what uh, we see. Uh, uh often is that like uh, people just uh, look at it at a quick cash grab or right. uh, you know uh, opportunity to to hype something up and then uh, yeah. uh, let it die real quick but uh, it it it's amazing how small the world is because like we have launched the podcast quite recently it was uh, at the beginning of the summer uh, but uh, we had uh, Mickey Maher, the, the senior vice president of partnerships uh, from Dapper Labs, on the show as well. And it seems like you are in a deep uh, uh, talks uh, uh, with Dapper Labs. So uh, that's amazing how, how small the world is and how it all connects. And like, of course, like the uh, Web3 space is uh, a personal passion of mine, as well as, you know, uh, we uh have uh, some projects in the space that we are uh pursuing very actively uh are you both also uh active in the in the web3 ecosystem on the personal side oh for sure i've, I've been a, because of brian i've been an enthusiast for a while <laughs> yeah um i think i bought bought my first uh first crypto i bought was in 2018 I uh, I sold it for like a couple hundred dollar loss because I couldn't I couldn't handle the volatility. I was spooked. <laughs> uh, I didn't have any money at the time, so I was like, "Man, I can't afford to lose two hundred dollars." And it ended up running up to like twenty k, and I could have had a pretty pretty nice uh, pretty nice game there. And then um, oh, I, don't know. I think after that, I was like, "All right, maybe I should." If I like it, I should just buy it, hold it, and then watch what happens, you know? So I feel like you have to have those lessons, but definitely participated a lot in a lot of different projects over the last year, uh, Top Shop being one of them. Um, I was a big fan of uh, Steppen. I'm not sure if you heard of Steppen. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were kind yeah, of, of a, a move-to-earn app. Uh, I thought what they did was really interesting and you know, they're a big inspiration for us. And I think they demonstrated a lot of cool things you can do with proper incentives for people to encourage, you know, a healthier lifestyle. But at the same time, they, the, what they constructed was kind of inherently flawed because there just wasn't enough to do besides make money on the product. Um, and so, you know, we're trying to let, take a lot of those lessons to almost, I wouldn't call it a similar activity. I mean, shooting hoops is a lot different than walking. Uh, but you know i think because basketball is has its own culture you know you like there's like a top shot like that was you know some incredibly passionate fans of basketball participating in something that was new and that they thought was cool and uh so i think you know we're trying to take some of those lessons and apply it to what we're doing yeah, I think it's super important. And there's a lot of these examples that you can leverage and learn from, right? So uh, so you don't make the, the same mistakes. Uh, Thomas, what was uh, your uh, uh, journey into Web3? <laughs> Definitely, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, 100% was like not into Web3. Um, but as soon as we got into tech stars, like I, I, I started getting exposed to it. Right. And, you know, um, you change your environment to change yourself. Right. So like, as soon as I, I stepped into to tech stars, I can, I could tell the people around me that they were building real things. They're extremely smart. And I just started asking questions. I remember we were at the mall with all our tech stars founders and we just started talking about it. Right. And it was just like, wow, this is like a real world and there's like real utility around it. Right. And that's my thing is like, if, if there's like things that I can really truly get, you know, through it, uh, uh, you know, and, and I find something I believe in, then, you know, why not? Let's, let's, let's do it. And, 
Yeah, I really started figuring out that there was it was so early that it needs builders, right? And I, I like to think of myself as a builder. Just builders are going to build, right? So like let's 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 go ahead and create something that like adds adds a lot of value and and, and has a lot of utility. So um, so that was kind of my introduction. It was like very like straightforward. Brian, me and Brian just started talking about it. Brian's obviously been in it. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I have a little Ethereum and, and stuff like that. I'm I'm dabbling in it, but it, I'm doing a, lot, a whole lot more learning uh, now. That- um, I feel like if you are surrounded with people that are like uh, deep in it, it's very addictive and infectious. That uh, you know, then joke, you have yeah. to uh, tip tip your toes into it as well. Yeah, because I mean, if you're a builder, if you're an entrepreneur, like you can't help yourself. You start itching. And you just start, you start going, right? So I think that's, that's, that's kind of how I am. And so that, that was my introduction to Web3. Yeah, it was, it was a very similar journey for, for myself as well. And I was like, I, I saw, I saw it everywhere around. I was like, okay, I have to go and explore. I have to go learn and educate myself. And yeah, it is hard. It is like the obstacle to enter these days is really, really hard. And it takes a lot of time. You get burned, you get scammed, and everything. But uh, you learn from it, and I think it's it's part of the journey of being early. And, and it yeah. doesn't it doesn't have to be that way, right? Like, why is it that way? It's because there's so many bad actors in any sort of wild west type of space, and you know, it's it's this crazy dynamic because everyone got attracted to it, interested to it for like these same principles, and then they get burned. And they're like, oh, well, this is actually just, you know, a scam. But it's like, no, like there, there could be like cool, cool stuff you can do with it. Um, so I think that's why, you know, yes, obviously anyone would tell you this is not a great market to be building in uh, from a sentiment perspective compared to what it was last year. But you have to have a longer term point of view and you have to have some conviction in what you're building. You know, we always knew the shooting machine was going to be. Like as soon as it was viable, we're going to sell a lot of them because people need them and they, they want them. There's genuine interest. And so, you know, there's going to continue to be interest for cool products that allow people to bridge the gap between digital and physical. There's always going to be that demand. And so, you know, how can we create the category defining one for basketball? That's where we're at. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, let's uh, wrap things up by talking a little bit about the grind mindset. How do you uh, uh, come to uh, work on uh, on grind on a daily basis, and like what motivates you to stay on and like keep doing what you are doing? Man, the grind mindset. Uh, the grind mindset, man, was inspired by my old coach. Um, it was. I was an eighth grader uh, in middle school and I walked over to the high school and they had this coach that was turning, turning the, the basketball team around. And I walked in there and there's the most serious conversation I had with like a 35 year old coach. And I was like a 14 year old eighth grader. And I was like, coach, I gotta be on that. I gotta be on the varsity team. And from that day, like my first day of school, I was, it was like 5 a.m. practice. Right. And like balls to the wall, like extremely intense, you know, uh, workouts. I mean, we had three days. But I say all that to say, like uh, Coach Henderson definitely inspired the grind mindset of like being obsessed with what you're doing. And I, I tried to take that mindset and, and build a brand uh, with it and uh, and build a culture around that, like whoever like you don't have to like basketball but you have to be obsessed with building software if you are a software developer you have to be obsessed with like doing great marketing if if you're going to be on the on, on growth marketing right uh if you're on product you have to be obsessed with building great products uh you don't have to be obsessed with basketball but like you do have to be obsessed with whatever you're doing right uh so I, I think that's that's kind of like the grind mindset is like really obsession, you know, almost like the, the mama mentality. Um, so, you know, we, we have this thing where we say you, you got to be locked in. 
right? And locked in is almost like that flow state of mind that you just get into as you work, right? And but you know, we, we kind of we call it locked in. So every day you just kind of got to lock in and, and, and put your head down and, 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 you know, kind of get obsessed with whatever you're doing. And like uh, you are spearheading that, that mindset for grind and it seems like, uh, you know, you wanted to uh, put uh, yet another proof that you even uh, tattooed the uh, 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 grind uh, to, uh, you know, pretty much cement it or like ink it on the skin. Man, how'd you know I got the tat? How'd you, how'd you, how'd you figure that out, man? <laughs> we did some, we did some digging. Did some digging, man. <laughs> I, wanna, I yeah. wanted to be, I wanted to be ready for the discussion. Yeah, no, uh, for sure, man. Guys, I, I, uh, I got it tatted on the back. So like, it's, it's definitely more than, <laughs> more than just a company. It's a state of mind. Yeah. I, I, I have, I have the same with, with STRV, no doubts. And, uh, I don't have a tattoo, but uh, you know, uh, I have uh, I have a lot of merch everywhere, uh, and that's uh, that's the way I'll go. Uh, guys, I wanted to thank you so much for hopping on the show uh, with you know uh, some of the bigger announcements coming up in uh, probably Q1 next year. We would be more than happy to to have you again and maybe. Uh, talk some fresh updates but until then uh, wish you the best of luck and uh, uh, thank you one more time yeah no Lumbo, thank you for having us had a great time no doubt appreciate you Lubo <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode I hope you enjoyed it if you did please follow us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts and we'll be thankful if you leave us a review that's it for now till next time on the Nightclub Show